May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. Amen. Several years ago, when I was a brand new priest serving on the staff of the Bishop of the Diocese of California, I was asked to be the spiritual director for a weekend retreat. The retreat was part of a well-established prison ministry and designed specifically for women whose husbands or sons were incarcerated. This was not a population with whom I'd had much prior experience, I admit, but I'm a Spanish speaker and so were the women who, invi who were invited to the retreat. Female, not fluent in English, lacking the protection and support of their partners. Many of the retreat goers were also undocumented, parenting alone and working at the most vulnerable of underpaid jobs. The stories they told in small groups were simply harrowing. Stories of harassment, exploitation, long bus rides to the prisons and going without food or health care. You think you've never met Lazarus at your doorstep? I assure you, she is just outside your field of vision, working the graveyard shift as a janitor in whatever downtown office building you last visited. Her name is Luz. Her name is Maricela. Her name is Azucena. Her incarcerated husband, he is Miguel, he is Felipe, he is Lázaro. I was thinking of each of these people last week as I was pondering the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, who evidently had no use whatsoever for the poor man outside his gate until he found himself on the wrong side of a great posthumous chasm wherein some enjoy the favor of the father of faith and some burn for eternity. The parable recounted in Luke's Gospel today is likely not a parable of Jesus. We know this from a variety of textual clues, among them the fact that Jesus didn't actually preach a posthumous chasm. If anything, Jesus understood heaven to be among us already, bursting forth with every moment of conversion and every act of compassion. But in this parable, likely borrowed from a familiar Egyptian formula, two mutually exclusive worlds are connected only by death. Hades, the place of torment, contrasts with the comforting bosom of Abraham, the rich and poor man who evidently had little contact in life despite their proximity, have become eternally estranged. The tormented rich man who had never before spoken to Lazarus perhaps had not even noticed him suffering at his gate now could only communicate his desperate plea to Lazarus 
via Abraham, who reminded him that the word he needed to hear had already been told to him and his five brothers. They have told Moses and the prophets they should listen to them, said Father Abraham. We should listen too. In fact, isn't that why we're here today and every Sunday? That's why our neighbors at Temple Beth Israel and St. Mary's Cathedral gather and listen to similar texts every week. You know these words from Amos, alas for those who are at ease in Zion, the revelry of the, of the loungers shall pass away. From the Psalms, the God of Jacob gives justice to those who are oppressed and food to those who hunger. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. And from the epistle, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, so do good, be rich in good works, generous, ready to share. You know these words, even if this is your very first time in church, you know the deep vocabulary of our Judeo-Christian tradition that holds us accountable to each other across gender and race and class, the words that call us to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. But there is one more word from today's reading that we need to hear deeply, and it is the name, Lazarus. He's the human actor in this parable who gets a name, which is kind of unexpected because he's the one who would normally be nameless. First century literary convention would give names to the powerful, the rich, and the male protagonists. In this parable, however, the rich man is kind of a nameless caricature, and the poor man is the named character. In fact, I find myself wondering if that's not why Luke included this parable in his gospel. Listen up, people of God. When a woman or a poor man gets a name in the Bible, it's time to pay attention. Something profoundly countercultural is about to happen. So I'm going to speak her name again. Luz, wife of Lazaro. She works as a domestic servant. She's been abused and exploited. She wept as she spoke of being raped by her employer. She was profoundly ashamed because of it. And me, inexperienced retreat director that I was, I was so very angry my job was to assure her of God's unconditional love, and all I really wanted to do was kill the man who hurt her. But our calling as Christians is to soothe the sores, not multiply the violence. So I sucked it up and reminded her that she had done no wrong and that God did indeed forgive her. And then came the Saturday night feast, the high point of the retreat. 
A volunteer team had been cooking and preparing the parish hall all day. The food and the table settings were sumptuous. The live mariachi band was captivating, and each unsuspecting woman entered the dinner venue through an elaborate bower of flowers while the band played a love song to her, to her, to that woman who had been invisible in every other aspect of her life. I had the privileged position of watching each woman's face as she entered, shyness giving way to unfiltered joy. It was as if I were personally witnessing Lazarus at the bosom of Abraham or the prodigal being embraced by his father or Jesus in the arms of his mother. People of God, the kingdom is not a promise or a threat awaiting us across a great chasm of death. It is here with us every single day. We usher it in with a mariachi band and a bower of flowers. We manifested in care and compassion and forgiveness. We make it real when we notice and we know each other's names. Poor and rich, hurting and healed, loved and lonely, God knows us by name and gives us the ministry of knowing each other. There's one more kind of odd thing I remembered about that retreat as I was reflecting on it this week. It was actually hosted in San Jose, California, which is where I will shortly be serving as priest in charge of, get this, another Trinity Episcopal Cathedral. (laughs) Go figure, there's a theme at work here. Which is to say, there are very many ways to serve in that city. I know the way to San Jose. And you know that I had to say it, right? (laughs) But for me, there is only one way out of Portland, and that is through the way of grief. I will miss this city, this cathedral, and each of you more than you can imagine. I will miss you by name. I will miss Deb. I will miss Bill. I will miss Elizabeth. I will miss all of you Toms and Lees and Mikes and Barbaras. What's with that? (laughs) I will miss those of you who are vulnerable. I will miss you who are strong. I will miss you who are sore, and I will miss you who bind up the sores. I will miss you who are hungry and you who cook and serve each other, cook for and serve each other. I will miss the privilege of knowing you and ministering alongside you. So if there were one gift I could leave to Trinity, it would be the encouragement to know each other by name. It's not easy, I know. I began my service to your cathedral three years ago, almost to the day, in abject terror at the sheer number of you. 
And there are more of you now than there were then, but behind each name tag is a human being with a story of love and loss and death and resurrection. There's a human being who has known both sumptuous feasts and open sores, a human being who will laugh and cry with you and teach you how to live a life of hope and dignity. So Trinitarians, I bid you to notice and to know each other's names, not out of name tag anxiety. <laughs> that happens though, right? Not out of name tag anxiety, but rather out of the wonder of the mystery of the human person. Because every one of you are drawn to this place to bear a word of good news that Trinity needs. There's so much more that I myself would like to be able to give you. But I go in peace this day, knowing that each of you are exactly the gift that God intended to give this community. Amen.